Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go right to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this time we're about to have here together, O Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit will minister and speak to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Open your eyes that they may see, open your ears that they may hear, and open their hearts that they may, most importantly, understand your words, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you again for this time, and I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O Lord God. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. All right, praise God. And again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, and uh, hope all is well in your world. Okay, and uh, we all have things going on in our lives that we're all trying to balance. Um, I got a couple of things going on right now that I'm certainly praying about and things that things that are kind of challenging a few areas. Uh, and I'm praying about it and believing and trusting in the Lord. Um, and in the meantime, um, there are things that the Lord wants us to do. And Holy Spirit is right there for us. And one of the things that we need do is, to do is that we need to understand you know, what is going on around us and why things are coming at us or why things are going on in the world, for that matter, the way they are. And and uh, the Lord, Holy Spirit, is right there to tell us and, and to guide us, okay? And we don't have to be struggling for anything anything at all. Uh, whatever may be going on in your life, there's no need for you to be struggling. God is there is there to help you to defeat whatever challenges are there and uh, to get out of whatever turmoil that may be going on. Okay, but the Lord wants us to to understand two things about our lives, okay, and when things come up against us, when things just happen, sometimes life just happens, as they say, but two things we need to understand. We need to understand the source of the problem and then the solution to the problem, okay? You can't, you can't fix things in your life. You can't deal with things in your life if you don't understand the source of the problem and then also what is the solution. So we're going to start with the source, okay? And to put it bluntly and blandly, the source of the problem is demonic influence, okay? There's demonic influence all around us. And for starters, I have to say to you that the devil is real, okay? The devil is real. God speaks of the devil. Jesus speaks of the devil. So the devil is real. Okay. And they say, Pastor, is this going to be a sermon about the devil? Well, I say, God, God thought it important enough to tell us about it in his word. Jesus spoke enough about the devil to tell us about it during his ministry. So therefore, we need to also look at it. the devil is real. And in today's Christianity, we've lost sight of the spiritual war that is raging all around us. Most Christians have very little understanding that the spiritual war is a battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Okay, You have to understand that after the curse, God told the serpent that it would crawl on its belly in Genesis 3.15. And he said that, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy heel and thou shalt bruise, his, thou shalt bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Humans are in the midst of this war that's going on. Control of the world, control of mankind is indeed the prize. Jesus Christ has already defeated this enemy. Jesus said, all power is given unto me, both in heaven and in earth. Matthew 28, 18. But the battle is still indeed playing out. However, we really do not understand our enemy. The Bible warns us that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And with that, let's go to Hosea 4, 6. 
Hosea 4, 6. Now would be a good time to say, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you go and grab your Bible and uh, maybe a marker or a pencil or a pen and, and take some notes as Holy Spirit so guides. Okay, Hosea 4. Hosea 4. And it says there right there in 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Okay? So we in Christianity, many of us have, have forgotten what the word of God is actually saying. And how to practice what the word of God is saying. And God is saying that because of that, it says, my people are destroyed for us lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. It's one thing to not know knowledge or to never have known or have had knowledge of the Lord or what the Lord is talking about. But once you have that knowledge, then for you to reject it, then you're putting yourself in harm's way. And he said, because of that, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. My, thy children. Okay. You see, so this is what's going on around us. Okay. Many of us that are Christian and everything, we, we, we don't, don't, don't forcefully push the word of God. We kind of water it down in many, many cases. And because of that, we are indeed not paying the price. And you need to make sure that you're not forgetting what the word of God is saying and trying to gain and, and accumulate all of the knowledge that you possibly can. God wants to share. He definitely wants to share. Holy Spirit wants to guide us into deeper and, and deeper insights with the Father and with Jesus Christ, okay? So we have to make sure that we are not rejecting knowledge. Satan, we're talking about him now, again, the source of the problem. Satan is a transliteration of a Hebrew word, which means adversary or opposed. Satan is not in hell, at least not yet. So don't, don't let people tell you, oh, there's Satan's in hell. You know, it, it, hell, hell is merely a, a, a state of mind and all that sort of thing. Satan is not in hell, at least not yet. Okay, that is where he will end up. Until then, he walks the earth seeing who he can pervert and destroy. Satan is a real human being. All right, first get that deeply, deeply, deeply planted in your mind. Satan is a real being. In the Bible, he is referred to by name or either he or him. The Bible never calls Satan it. Okay, he's referred to by name or, or as he or him. He's never referred to as an it. He has a mind, he has a will, and so therefore Satan is a real being. He thinks and he plans and he plots, so he's real. The Bible calls Satan the prince of this world and the god of this world. Most people serve Satan by worshiping the things of the world, money, power, sex, self, even self. Okay, We wind up worshiping those things, that's how we wind up worshiping the devil. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. The Bible says there is no truth in him. His weapons are effective, lies, deception, and fear. If we go to John 8, John chapter 8, verse 42, says there, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Underline, because you cannot hear my word. You are your father, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he spoke, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you truth, 
you believe me not. Because I tell you truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God hears God's word, God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. Okay. So here he's really exposing them for what they are, and he's saying that this that Satan here, he's a liar, he's a murderer. Okay. Says there in verse number forty-two, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Then he says forty-three, why do you not understand my speech? Because you cannot hear my word. Okay. People that are being driven by the devil, by demonic influence, they cannot hear nor understand Jesus' words. As simple as that. That's why sometimes when you're speaking to someone, maybe you're trying to witness to someone. And if they don't know the Lord and, and Holy Spirit is not guiding them and not opening their ears, they simply will not and cannot understand the dynamite truths that you're giving them. Okay. And if they're following demonic influences, then, you know, they're being fed lies and they're following lies. They're falling hook, line and sinker for a whole bunch of lives that are out there. And there are plenty of them flowing around today. You know, I talked before about people saying, Oh, thank you for sharing your truth. You know, that truth that they, that they are, 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 are spouting is not God's truth. Therefore, it is not any truth. Yes. So they're saying, thank you for sharing your truth. They're being fed a bunch of lies and they're beginning to believe those lies and those lies turn into being their truth. Okay, all right, and he, and he just, he just says this as speaking of Satan, you are, you are, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. He is a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Okay, so we see there, we see there that that uh, who we're dealing with here. Okay, the, the the source of our problem we're talking about here is someone who is full of full of lies. He speaks no truth at all. Jesus is truth. On the other hand, lies bring bondage. Truth brings liberty and freedom. Satan can give worldly gifts. He can give you worldly gifts, but they come at a price. Jesus' gifts are free. Satan can reward you with things, but they come at a price. There'll be always something to pay when you accept something from the devil. Okay. When something comes your way and it seems too good, too good to be true, then most likely it, it, it could be. It could not, it, it probably is not true at all. And you have to make sure that you're not falling behind sources of darkness. All right. Okay. okay? Jesus' gifts, however, are free. Satan has an army. Talk a little bit about that. Satan has an army. They are called, you probably guessed it, they're called demons. Jesus also has an army, and though that army is comprised of angels and us believers, these are Jesus' army. Jesus has ultimate authority over Satan's army. Satan's army's goal is to destroy the work of Jesus. Make no doubt about it. His goal is to destroy the work of Jesus. Believers have been given the power to stop them. That's why we are indeed a part of Jesus' army. We have a, we have a role to play on this earth, and that is to fight evil. In the name of Jesus, of course, we can do nothing in and of ourselves. We have no strength physically against evil. But in the name of Jesus, we can certainly overcome evil in our lives and, and in the lives of those that are around us and near and dear to us. All right. If you believe in angels, you must believe in demons. Demons. God certainly knows they exist. Okay. How can you believe in one and not the other? Many people say, well, I refuse to talk about Satan from the pulpit and whatnot. He's a figment of man's imagination. He is not a figment at all. And the person that says that they are gravely, gravely deceiving themselves. And if they're a minister, a pastor, or, or, or anything else like that, and they have people that are following their words out of their mouths, then they're doing them a great disservice because they are deceiving them. Satan is real. His demons are indeed real. And his plans to destroy, especially Christians, are indeed real. Demons influence the thoughts and the minds of people. 
Jesus told us to take captive every thought. All behavior begins with a thought. All right? All behavior begins with a thought. All right? All right? You just don't up and just do something out of the out of the blue. Even if it's a split-second thought, your brain, your mind has to actually think about doing that particular thing. Okay? All right? it, it begins with a thought. Demons have the ability to plant thoughts in our minds. Thoughts lead to action. Thoughts lead to action. You may recall a comedian that, that was around a long time ago called Flip Wilson back in the old, what, late 60s, 70s maybe, named Flip Wilson. He would jokingly would say when he was in character that the devil made me do it. <laughs> I know you may recall that. The devil made me do it. I think the character's name was Geraldine, I believe, that he played. His name was Flip Wilson. But through that character, he would say, oh, the devil made me do it. That's not true. The devil tricks you into doing it. Okay. All right. The devil doesn't make you do anything, but the devil can indeed trick you deceive you, trick you into doing something. Demons have a voice and their voices work in our head by way of our thoughts. Demons have a voice and they work in our head and that's via our thoughts. Take those thoughts captive. That's what the word of God tells us. Bring them to Christ. Stop obeying the wrong voices. I talked a bit about voice. I think it was last sermon. Stop obeying the wrong voices. Many people are under the influence of those voices or thoughts. Right? You have to make sure that you are not obeying any voice that is not of God, any voice that is guiding you to do something that is contrary to God's word. You set, you certainly cannot obey it. That's for sure. Okay? Many governments, many governments at the federal, state, and local levels are under the influence of satanic voices. All right? Well, yes, you say, oh, boy, surprise, surprise. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, look at what's going on in the world today. Look what's going on in your country in your province, in your state, in your community, your local environment. Look what's going on. Look at the decisions that are being made. Look at the hatred and the crime that's all about. All right? And the, and the, and the, the officials that are in power that are, are, either, are either okaying that particular crime or whitewash the crime away, you know, brush over it and so forth, you know, and therefore it, it, it's taking over our streets. Okay? So you have to see that, that they're under the influence of satanic voices, demonic influence. If we go to Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 2, Psalm 2, and start with verse number 1, okay? The Word always tells us what indeed is really going on. Verse 1, why do the heathen rage? Okay, good question. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. OK, see, this is demonic influence. And this is what's going on around us, those that are in leadership positions. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth, that, that's, that's those people that are in power. And we don't have kings in this particular country in the United States. Some places may still have kings, but, but this is referring to those that are in, in position of power here. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers, those that are in charge, they take counsel together. So they get together and they, and they plot and they scheme. And we do have these meetings that take place at periodic times around the world. You know, we have Davos, you may have heard of. You know, we have these G7 meetings and those things that are going on. And not all of them, many of them are not saved at all. But they sit around and this is where they want to set the world standards. This is where they want to set things to go for the entire world. 
and they know that there's a group, a bunch of people, us called Christians, that are standing in their way. They know that, okay? That demonic influence hates Jesus Christ, hates the Jesus that is in us. And so they get together, as it says, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. This is something that's been going on in Jesus' day and before that, even before Jesus, I mean, back in the days of Abraham, I mean, they always, they always were plotting against those that believe in the one God, in the one God. And the same thing goes on today. So the word of God is telling us that the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's us against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder. Let us break them. Let us destroy them. That also means destroy your will. Okay, destroy your will to quote unquote resist, so to speak. They would love us to all just get, you know, weak need and just bow down before them and say, okay, anything you say, anything you say, yes, I'll go along with the crowd just so I can get along. Yes, I'll believe in this. I'll believe in climate change. I'll believe in, 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 in multiple sexes. I'll believe in, in, in marriage between, uh, uh, the same sex. That's okay. You go along to get along. That's, that's, that's breaking our bands so that, so that we will not be bonded together. Okay. Okay. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Right. So here, here you see right here, right here that, that this is talking about demonic influence. All right. How they're plotting away. And it goes on to four, that's four, verse four says, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Speaking to us, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. This is a warning to those that are in rulership, ruler position around the world, around in your country, in your, in your community, your state, your province. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, talking about Jesus, kiss the son, lest you be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are they, are, are they that put their trust. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Okay, so it's saying that the heathens rage and they're plotting. They want to destroy. They want to destroy. God is saying, don't worry, we're going to win out. If you believe and trust in God, you indeed will be okay. Be wise now, therefore, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with, with trembling. Okay. The problem is today that those that are in power position do not fear God. They don't fear God. So this is part of the source of our problem, the source of our problem. It's the evil that is trying to take over the land, the evil that is trying to take over your land, that's trying to take over your mind, your thoughts, and your family. This is the source of every single problem that we have in our lives. Okay, why do the heathens rage? Many pastors today have washed their hands of politics. Okay. Many. I talk to many of my, my brother pastors, and they, they, they'll say, you know, well, you know, this particular subject I kind of tread lightly on, and I kind of hold off on going this, and I don't want to get involved in politics, you know. Well, politics is a very much a part of your life and very much a part of the world. God wants us involved in the things that are going on that influence this world, that influence people in this world. This is why we are indeed born-again believers, and the Holy Spirit is in us. We are to be a beacon, a shining light on the hill. Okay, for others that are out there struggling and don't yet know the Lord. Amen. Amen. Many pastors have washed their hands of politics. They say that politics is dirty. They say it is dirty. 
In the meantime, Satan controls all the levels, uh, levels of power, okay, stolen power, that is, stolen power. Some governments are shutting down churches. We have it backwards. We have it backwards. Churches should be shutting down the satanic government, okay, not the other way around. Okay. But we see the whims of Satan. We see the rulers of the rulership of Satan, those that are following Satan, giving into that demonic influence, trying to shut us down, shut down churches, trying to control, control our, our messages coming from the pulpit, trying to control the things that we say online. If they had their way, they'd be having all of us pastors, you know, submit our planned sermons to some body or to some group who then can approve our sermons. And if the sermon is, 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 is too, is, is too spot on talking about evil and getting, getting rid of the devil, in our lives and in our communities, they, they would, would, would squash that sermon. They would not want it to be preached. Okay, so we have it backwards. Churches should be shutting down a satanic government. The separation of church and state was placed in our, in the United States, was placed in our Constitution to protect the church from the tyrannical hand of the government. Okay, that's why our Constitution here says that the, 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 the state, the government, shall have no control over the church at all, at all, okay? And that's what that really means, separation of church and state. And it doesn't mean that, that uh, um, you, you know, that we can't speak the gospel in public and everything. We can't talk about, about the Lord in public, you know, that sort of thing. Or even in school, for that matter, should not be forbidden. Is what was separated was that the government will have no power over the church. Okay? And as we know that we that live in this country, in the United States, that was, that was the foundation of its founding because those that came here to this country to, to, to start the building blocks fled fled from that tyrannical at the time the time the uh, England there the British Empire where they the, the church was in, I'm sorry the state the government was indeed controlling the church and telling people how you could worship and when you could worship and so on and I don't want to get into a whole history of that but that's the bottom line right? Right? we have the right we have the freedoms afforded to us by God the devil is real I say again his opposition to God is not left right it's not white black it's not young old rich or poor conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat. Right? It's, it's none of those things. If you disagree with anything, if you're in one of those camps and you disagree with someone else in another camp, then you're called, you said that you're phobic, you know, or, or that you're racist and so on, you know, and, and they're very, very quick, quick to jump in. Especially today, we hear that term racism, racism, or you're, you're, you're racist and racism, it's thrown out there so even, so, so easily these days that it really does not have any meaning anymore. You know, and, and racism is ridiculous. I mean, it's, you, know, it, you know, that is something that we are, um, shouldn't be throwing off of our tongue so easily. But that term is used today to incite division. Okay, okay, to, to foster division among the body, among the people, you know, and many Christians get caught up in that thing. I heard some Christians say, oh, well, so-and-so did this to me. That's racist. That's racist. Okay. Right? Well, if you are a child of God and if you're truly a Christian and you know God, you know the Lord. You know what scripture says? It says God is not a respecter of persons. He does not favor one race, one, one ethnicity over another. In God's eyes, there's no such things as the groups that man has developed. In God's eyes, there are only two groups of people, and that's believers or unbelievers. I'll say, say this again. God does not favor anyone, any one particular race or ethnic group. In God's mind, in God's mind, in God's mind, there's two groups, believers and unbelievers, and that's it. The demonic thoughts and actions that are out there today pit us one against the other. With this battle raging on, how do we find peace in the midst of the storm? 
How do we find peace? How can we be sure that we're not playing into the hands of the enemy? How can we be sure that we are doing what God wants us to do? That's the question. Well, before I presented to you the problem, I presented to you the problem. Now I want to give you the solution. Okay, we talked about the problem being Satan and his and his demonic army and 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 the demonic influence that he's placed upon those that are in leadership positions and maybe even with our family members and those that are around us, even to some extent within the church. That's where where the problem stems from: Satan and, and his demonic influence. Well, that was the problem. Now I want to give you the solution. Let's go to Psalms forty six one. Psalms 46.1. I'm sure you're familiar with this song. We've been here before, and I'm sure you have on your own. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Right out of the bat, let's always remember that God is our refuge. A place, a ref, a place of refuge is a place of safety. This is where you can go when things are difficult in your life, okay? When things are really going badly, God is a safety place. He is our refuge, and it's a source of your, he's a source of your strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountainsides may be carried into the midst of the sea. We won't fear. In other words, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how, what uh, uh, how tumultuous your life is or how the, you know, the, the waters, so to speak, are raging all around you, we shall not fear because we know that God is our refuge and our strength and that he's a, a present help. That means he's here right now to help you. If you've got something going on and it really seems like, you know, the wheels are coming off, as they say, remember, God is there for you right now as I'm speaking these words. So you do not have to be worried and, and getting yourself all upset. Therefore, will not we fear Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged. The kings were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He makes wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in asunder. He burns the chariots in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. One of my favorite verses. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. Okay. So regardless of what you see going on out there today, out there today, regardless of what the people that are in power are saying to you today, Regardless of how they're trying to stamp out Jesus Christ, regardless of how they're trying to put restrictions on our freedoms and on our ministries, regardless, 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 he will be exalted among the heathen. Okay. Indeed, they shall bow down to worship him. They shall bow down to worship him. Okay. The word of God says that every knee shall bow. All right. So we have to remember that and not be afraid. Do not let ourselves become upset and so worried. Be still and know that I am God. 
So what does it actually mean to be still and know that he is God? The Hebrew verb here that is translated be still means to stop, be inactive, let go and relax. The verb is a command. God doesn't say try to be still or maybe be still. He says be still, period. The verb is a command that is also translated as to cease striving, to surrender, to stop, desist, and to make peace. The most well-known line in Psalm 46, even though I love number 10 there, is our God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. But we need to desist. Okay, If you're running around right now trying to figure out how to make ends meet, you're wondering how to pay the mortgage, how to pay the rent, how to pay your, your, your kids' tuition in school, how to buy groceries or whatever with the economy the way there is the way it is today. I mean, there are so many things that can get us so upset and get us so worried, and we're trying to figure out how we can do it. The thing is to be still and to stop trying to do it. Be still and stop trying to do it. Remember that God is your refuge. He is your strength. So instead of you trying to figure out how to do it, how to fix it, run to the Lord, run into that place of safety and say, God, I need you. I need you, Lord. Only you can solve this problem. Guide my thoughts, guide my actions, guide my choices, guide my direction. Tell me if anything at all that I need to do and I shall do it, Lord. I shall be willing to do it. I shall be willing to do what you want me to do and I shall be willing to stop doing what you don't want me to do. But I'm going to stop trying to do this all myself. God is there for us. When we are surrounded by worries, our God is bigger than any troubling circumstance that we encounter. It may not seem like it, but you have to believe that if you have faith and you trust in God. He's bigger than anything that could be going on in your life. He's larger than Satan. He's larger than our enemies. He is greater than our troubled hearts. He is our fortress to protect us from anything that's coming our way. He's greater than Satan. He's greater than that demonic influence that may be going on in your life that is giving you heartache and hardship right now. So, so, so we, we, we are to cease striving. Okay. Stop striving so hard in our own will and ways. Simply stop and be still and surrender at this moment. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until the next day. This moment, make a commitment in your heart to the, to the Lord. I'm going to stop struggling. I'm going to stop spinning my wheels here. And I surrender. I surrender to you, God. Take it where you will. Stop this moment. Be still and know that he is God. And sometimes, you know, it seems like such an easy thing to do, or maybe maybe to you it seems like a silly thing to do. But I am telling you, when I feel myself actually getting tense and taught about something, that scripture comes back to me. Be still and know that I am God. Okay. And then the question comes to mind, do I believe this? Remember the scripture says, believe thou this, believe, believe thou this, be still and know that I am God comes to mind. And then I hear the Lord saying, believe thou this. In other words, do you believe that I am God? Okay. You believe that I am God. And if you do believe that he is God, then you can be still because that means there's nothing else that you need to do. God knows what your situation is. He always does. And he's there. He's there. If you'll just surrender to him, you know. Oftentimes we grab tightly to our own opinions without hearing God's opinion. Okay, this is what I think is going to happen. This is what I feel is going to happen. Well, that's your opinion. What does God say about the situation? You ever stop and think about that? We hold on to our hurt. We hold on to our pain. We hold on to our bitterness. 
Sometimes we grow impatient with others even, okay, who may be trying to help us. We are caught up in our own fears, our own attitudes and worries, and we lose any and all sense of peace, joy, and love because we get so caught up in ourselves, okay? And yes, yes, this verse commands us to let go, to relax, to be still, to cease striving and surrender to God's will and his ways. Stop trying to do it yourself. Be still. God is saying, I am God. I have created. I will create anew. I have formed. I will form anew. And I have made and I will make anew. So whatever you feel in your life is missing, has been destroyed, you feel that you had this at one time and now it's gone, well, guess what? God's going to make it anew, okay? Maybe even for some reason, maybe maybe you were really financially well off. Maybe you had a great job. And for whatever reasons, you know, between COVID and the economy and the way things are being laid off and so whatever, maybe, maybe you, you're not as financially secure as you were. Maybe you don't have that good job anymore. Maybe whatever, it, 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 um, it dried up on you. But God is saying that I will form anew. I have made in the past and I will make anew. So whatever you think has disappeared, God can make it anew. Okay. God can correct that. He can redo and remake whatever it is that you're missing in life. So don't think just because now for whatever reason it's gone and you start, don't try to start, you know, living back in the past, remembering how it was. Remember that God is there. He knows your issue. He knows your condition. He knows the situation and he can build it all up again. He can make it anew from scratch. And what God makes is always wonderful. God makes is always wonderful. Amen. We cannot always see the majesty and the power of our mighty God or his goodness to us when we are caught up in our own worries, scurrying around like crazy with, with anxiety and, and having even angry thoughts sometimes. Sometimes we get, we get angry at people. We get angry at God even sometimes for things not going the way that we think they should be going. Okay. Right. So then we can't do that. Okay. So there we have the command to be still and know. Be still and know that he is God. We need to stop and listen. We need to quiet our minds and listen for God to speak. Be still and listen for God to speak. And how do we do that? You know, it's all right, Pastor Mike, you say, be still. How do we listen to God to, to, God to, uh, to speak to us? It's a discipline that requires work. I'd be the first to admit that. It, it, it requires work. You have to discipline yourself to be able to just stop in the midst of turmoil and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait and wait on you. What is it that's going on, Lord? Okay, of this source, the enemy that's coming at me like this, oh Lord God, I know what the source is now. Heavenly Father God, how do I fix the problem? Or how do you fix the problem? Or is there anything that you want me to do in fixing the problem? How will you guide me? All right. So it starts with the first, with the first place, you know, that, that, that our minds, you know, are, are not normally uh, a quiet place. Understand that too, that our minds are not normally a quiet place. Especially today, I mean, we have so much what they call sensory input coming in around us, you know, sensory from to your senses, you know, your ears, your sight, your smells, even for that matter. There's so much going on. I heard you've heard people use the expression information overload. With the Internet today and, and, and perhaps your job, your work is deeply involving computers and everything. I mean, there's so much input that is coming into you that sometimes it's hard for us to deal with it. Okay. So our minds are not normally a, a quiet place. Distractions are everywhere, okay? But there are steps that we can take to minimize those distractions and to quiet our thoughts, to quiet our thoughts, even in the midst of our busy lives. 
distractions called a failing economy, distraction called failing borders all around us in, our, in these countries, distractions called called woke ideology. We see so much of that going on, more distraction every single time you, you turn around. Things that they're trying to do in our children's schools, okay, the, the kind of shows that they're that they're trying to put to put into our shows, the, the books that they're trying to put into our kids' uh, classes, classrooms nowadays. I mean, these are all things that are distractions, okay. They add to the to, to, to the concern and the busyness that are in our lives. And the devil knows that and he keeps throwing it out there. Okay. We have distractions that are that, that are just going on in the world every way that you, you can turn around to to make us to worry and to bring on anxiety. Distractions are used by the enemy to distract us from the word of God, prayer, and keeping faith in God. Okay. Stop and think about it for a minute. If you're constantly worried about the economy, you, you know, you know the, the the borders in your country, immigration, uh, the, the 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 nonsense going on with the, with a I, I will say the word, the pornography that they're pushing into the, the classrooms for the young kids. If you're constantly distracted about that, then your mind is not on the word of God, especially if you're distracted to the point of anxiety and worry. Okay, Be aware of what's going on so that you know how to direct your prayer. Okay, I've heard some Christians say, oh, well, I don't watch the news. I don't read it. You should watch the news and you should read, read, uh, read the news because God wants you to use the gifts and the power of prayer that he gave you to come against these things that the enemy is trying to put out there and impacting our lives and the lives of our children. The children are our future, and the devil knows that if he can pervert and twist our children around, change our, our son into a daughter and do that, you know, and without telling the parents they're saying out there today, these are things that we as Christians need to pray against. We need to pray against and bind up those spirits and those contracts and those plans that the enemy is trying to develop. As I said before in my messages to you, it, 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 it is that God's, God gave us the responsibility to raise our children, not someone else. And no one can take that away from us. That's a God-given responsibility. And don't fall for the distraction and the lie of the enemy talking about, oh, children belong to all of us. Children are all of our children. That's nonsense. God does not belong to the government, the state, or anyone else. They belong to you. Okay? Okay? All right? If you carried a baby for nine months or your wife carried a baby for nine months, that is something God, the miracle that God worked in you, and that child belongs to you and to you alone. All right. But these are distractions and things that the enemy puts out there to keep us worrying about those things so that we wind up not being able to focus on God and to keep us so busy that we cannot be still and know that he is God. We need quiet pauses in our day. That's very important to us. We need quiet pauses in our day. We need to make space for listening to the most important voice of all, the voice of God. Okay. If you have any way possible, I mean, even if you're working at your job, if you have any way possible, just getting away for 10 minutes, if you can, just to get away from the noise and the hubbub of the computer that's going on in front of you or your coworkers that's running around you and everything like that, you know, five minutes or so forth. I mean, but just try, try to quiet your mind, you know, try to quiet your mind so that you can hear God's voice. So you can hear his voice. When we listen for God, we might also consider the following verses. Can follow, consider these scriptures we're about to read. We're going to go to 1 Kings 19, verse 1. 1 Kings 19. Now, you probably, probably remember these scriptures, too. Now, th these scriptures here, this is about um, uh, Elijah. 
And prior to these scriptures, Elijah had just slain the 400 prophets of Baal. And then he fled from Jezebel afterwards, you know, due to the threat that Jezebel issued. <clears throat> We're going to read that here now. And Ahab, Jezebel's husband, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, slaying the 400 prophets of Baal. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So he's saying that, in other words, he's saying that, boy, I swear by the gods, with a little g, I swear by the gods that the gods will do to me, okay, will do worse to me if I don't make your life miserable. In other words, Elijah, I'm going to get you, okay? This is, this is the queen, the Jezebel, Ahab's wife, that I'm going to get you. Verse number three says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Right? So he had, now, he had just performed this mighty miracle. He had defeating these 400 prophets of Baal by calling down that fire. And you recall the story. You know, God, he prayed. You know, the, the, the prophets of Baal uh, prayed to their God, Baal, you know, to ignite the sacrifice that was there. And nothing happened, you know. And Elijah started, started uh, joking and laughing at him, saying, well, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's on vacation and so on like that. And then when Elijah called down to our God, the God, Okay, the, the doggone, the, 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 um, the altar that they had built and set up there was lit of fire and everything was consumed with fire and so on. Okay, so God showed mightily. Right? Jezebel was angry about that. Now she said, I'm going to fix you, Elijah. Now, Elijah performed this mighty miracle with, through God, I should say. Okay, Elijah called on God and God performed this mighty miracle. And now all of a sudden, he is afraid. He's afraid. This mighty prophet, Elijah, the mighty prophet he was, he was afraid. And he's crying out now. Let me die. Verse number five says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. God had a plan. He wanted to send him someplace, but the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? In other words, why are you here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Pity party, pity party. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent or tore the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Okay. All this happened, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. When God said to go stand it, the wind came, God was not in it. Earthquake came, but he was not, God was not in the, uh, in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. And the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, a still, small voice. Underline that, please, if you have a marker or a pencil. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Why are you here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abelalohamah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And then he went on to talk to him about things that had to be done. But the, the scriptures here that I want to talk about are in verse number 12. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. So many times God will talk to us in a still, small voice. We can't hear that voice if we're not being still. We're looking for God to be, you know, coming in some loud, booming voice to do this and to do that. Now, you know, I always say God is sovereign. He can speak to you any way he chooses. You may hear God. I mean, I don't know. I'm not God. You know, he knows what he has to do to get your attention. He, he has the ability to speak in that still, small voice. I mean, in that big, booming voice. But the word of God here is really focusing on that still, small voice. And if we're rushing around and running around, then we certainly cannot hear that voice, that small voice. Notice that God's voice came to Elijah in that still small voice, a gentle whisper, and that we have to be quiet to hear a whisper. If there's people in a room that's talking all loudly and then someone, your buddy sitting next to you, leans over to whisper something to you with all that noise going on, you can't hear it. Well, that's what happens in our lives. In our lives, there's a lot of noise that's going on. There's a lot of noise. A lot of noise that's going on around us. There's a lot of noise going on in our own heads. Noise in our heads is generated by our anxieties and our worries and our stress. And that noise blocks out the quiet voice of the Lord. Okay. If you lean into God, he'll lean into you. Remember that. You lean into God and God will lean into you. You quiet yourself and say, Lord, I want to talk to you. Lord, I need your help. And then you listen and then you still yourself. You still yourself. You stop scurrying. You stop worrying. You stop trying to figure out how to do it yourself. You just wait for God to talk to you. Okay. Elijah witnessed that great and strong wind that tore apart the mountains, but that's not where God was. That is not where he was. God wanted Elijah to learn to recognize his presence, the whisper of his voice. You need to learn to recognize the presence of God. You know, I've been just simply still some time in prayer where I'm not saying anything. You know, I've done my initial, you know, you know, prayer to God and, and worship him and honoring him and praising him and so forth like that. And, and then at some, at some point, I'll just sit there and just wait, just be quiet, not saying a thing. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you will hear God's voice. He'll speak to you. All right. And I'm certainly no way claiming to be Elijah or, or I'm not claiming to be any great prophet or anything like that. But what these words here are conveying to us as believers, that the same thing that happened with Elijah can indeed happen to you. To be still. And listen. Just be still and you hear God's voice. 
God communicates in various ways, and this time God wanted Elijah to recognize him in the quiet and still calmness. In quiet and, and, and stillness and quietness in our hearts of our souls is when we too can recognize the Spirit of God and see his mighty greatness. We can learn to, to cease our own striving and rest in God's stability as our creator and savior. He is the one with the ideas. He's the one with the plans, with the solutions and wisdom for all of our circumstances. Our complete and utter dependence on him keeps our human souls from being, being, being lifted up in our own conceit and knowledge. See, that's what gets us into trouble. Our own conceit and knowledge. We don't, we don't, we forget to rely and wait on God. When we find him in our quietness and we trust in him, we find everything that we need. Everything. Go to, go to Isaiah thirty fifteen. You don't have to turn there. It says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Shall be your strength. Right. My own experiences in hearing God speak to me also come during the quiet times as well, as I said before. And do I hear an audible voice? Not necessarily an audible voice. I heard him call me once or twice in my life, I recall. I remember hearing Michael and I turned around. And I knew, I just knew it wasn't my mom or my wife or anyone else. I just turned around. Then I heard what the Lord told me, what he needed to tell me. All right. I mean, that has indeed happened. I hear God when I'm also reading the Bible, and you can too. The meaning of a certain verse uh, may be something I've read many times before and suddenly will become more clear, often speaking to an area of my life that I have some questions about just by reading the Bible. There are other times when I've read the Bible and I might not feel like I received a dynamite revelation at that particular time, okay? But later on, sometimes, you know, maybe hours, a week, or whatever it may be, but sometime later on, when I need it, that particular verse will come back to me, and then it's like a lightning bulb that comes on, okay? You're reading that Bible and you read a scripture, maybe it doesn't apply to your, at your uh, uh, situation right now, but then later on, a few days later, a week, a month, or whatever it may be, it's something that you, you need that verse, and it will pop back into your mind and say, gee whiz, I just read that verse. And it will be the thing that you need, be the thing that you need to help you during this time of difficulty that may be going on in your life. Sometimes what you need is a fresh perspective, a thought, you know, you know that you know it's not from you. That's happened to me. A thought will come into my mind and say, well, gee whiz, that's, that's not me. You know, I, I could not have thought about that. That's God. That's God. These are some of the ways that you can hear God speaking to you. This is the way it, it happens, happens to me. Okay. Right? You may be talking to someone. And maybe someone has a question of you and you'll give back this answer, you know, and then, boy, boy, that, that'll be a, such a dynamite answer that afterwards you'll say to yourself, gee whiz, where did that come from? And you'll surprise yourself. Well, that wasn't you that was speaking. That was the Holy Spirit that was speaking. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but we need to get to the point, though, that we are quiet enough to hear God and let him tell us. If we're ever we're wondering whether the voice we're hearing is the voice of God, then there's an easy test. And I said that before my other message. OK, God's word will not whatever you're hearing will not contradict himself, won't contradict the Bible. Not going to hear something different other than what he's speaking in his word. And we can measure everything against the word that's in the Bible, his words that are in the Bible. I always say that's your yardstick. You want to consider whether or not you should do something or whether or not you should not do something. What does the word of God say? Listen to that still, quiet voice. He'll tell you. He'll tell you exactly what needs to be done. We can and we should test everything that we hear against the scriptures. 
God tells us, but we can miss out on what he's saying because we're not listening. If there's too much noise coming out of your mouth or going on in your head, then you can't hear what God is telling you. How can we be quiet and quiet our minds and minimize the distractions that get in the way of hearing from God? One, place yourself in an environment that helps you to concentrate. Find a quiet corner of the room away from distractions. Okay? Many times I go to the bathroom because it's quiet in there. You can hear some peace. Talk to God about what you're reading in the Bible when you pray. Treat it like a conversation. Leave some space of quiet to hear him reply to you. You read the scripture and it's not quite making sense to you. Lord, what does this mean? I don't get it. I don't understand. And quietly sit and listen. And he'll explain it to you. And don't, and, and don't fight distracting thoughts by trying to avoid them altogether. That makes it difficult because you're fighting to, 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 to not listen to or not look at that thought or listen to that thought. Kind of think of it as if you're sitting on, 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 the, on the side of a highway and you're watching these cars go by, you know, and, you know, a, a green car goes by and you don't keep following that car, looking at, looking at it and staring, trying to see how far you can see it, how far it goes until you lose sight of it. You see the green car go by, it's out of sight and it's gone. Do that with your thoughts. The thought goes by, let that thought go. If it's a thought that's, that's evil or trying to tempt your way, pull it down. Pull it down, any thought that, that would try to exalt itself against the word of God. Right. So we have to remember to do that. Instead, instead, think of those distracting thoughts as if you're just watching them pass you by. Choose a short phrase or a sentence from the Bible. Meditate on it. Reading it and rereading it until it really sinks in. I like Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Find a time to pray and meditate that works for you. Start small, baby steps. You know, you may not be able to sit quietly for a half an hour, you know, or a whole hour, you know, even 15 minutes. So start off with five minutes. Start in baby steps. You know, start for five minutes. Just sit there and say, I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to, I'm going to do my initial prayer to the Lord. I'm going to praise him and worship here and then just say, Lord, speak to me. I'm here to hear your voice. And just sit there. And try being still for five minutes for starters. The habit of listening is something that you can improve upon and you can develop it. Like I said before, it's a discipline. It doesn't always come easily. You need to practice it the way you, you practice anything else. When you play a piano or, or, or a trumpet or any other instrument like that, you have to practice to be good at it. If you sing, you know, you need to practice in order to be good at it. You know, anything that you do, you need to practice at it. When you're in school, you have to practice on your math skills, you know, and everything, all right? The same thing with this. We have to practice that being still before God and getting to know who he is. It doesn't always come easily. But with a little practice and intention, then you can strengthen your ability to quiet your mind and to meditate. Listen for God's voice. He has something to say to you. And that's what I, what I will leave you with today. Listen for God's voice. He has something to say to you. Amen. Particularly if you've got things going on in your life that are troubling right now. Listen, for he has something to say to you. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing. And if it was, pass on the uh, links to where we can be reached. We can be found at www.genesis1.sermon.net. www.genesis1.sermon.net. Look at the top of the page. You'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button, and you'll be notified automatically whenever these messages are available. Uh, we're still on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries, and we have our apps for Android and Apple devices, and they can be found at the respective um, app stores. Amen. What we want to do is to just uh, get the word out there and spread it around. Um, uh, God doesn't want anyone to 
to perish, uh, not even someone that doesn't yet know him or someone that isn't is it giving you a hard time, give them the links to how to reach us also. Um, everything on our, on our website there can be downloaded free of charge. The apps are free of charge. Download the audio-only portion or the entire video. Or save it for later on. Whatever it is, we want to make it as convenient as possible for you. Amen. So go forth and be blessed and, and know that, that, that God loves you. and God does not want you struggling. It's not his way. It's not his will. So just remember and think about it. Be still and know that he is God. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And we pray that as we go from here, Lord God, that we will remember these words that we've heard here today, though, Lord God. And we will we'll work at and practice being still so that we can communicate with you and hear your voice, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. We praise you, Heavenly Father. I bless all those that have heard this message, O oh Lord God. Continue speaking to them, O oh Lord God. Guide them, let your Holy Spirit minister to them, O oh Lord. We praise you and we worship you. We love you, Lord. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Go forth and be blessed. And remember that Jesus is Lord. In your prayer.